This message is brought to you by Lighthouse Chapel International, a united denomination originating from the Lighthouse Group of Churches. Welcome to the Life Preaching Message, where the Word of God is imparted clearly, practically, and comprehensively. Our aim is to provide a solid foundation, a Bible-based instruction to our church members, to equip them to teach and preach wherever they may be. Join us for a life-changing encounter as you listen to this message. Thank you. Bless us through your spirit with your word. Let a seed of your word find a good ground in our hearts. Let it never be taken away, but let it grow and bring forth much fruit to your glory. Holy Spirit, we recognize your presence with us to teach us, to lead us, to heal, to deliver, to break every yoke and to set free captives to the praise and to the glory of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. Well, it's quite troubling to know that after all these weeks of teaching seven great principles, people still don't know it. But one of the things I have realized is that most of us don't see church as a place by which what we need in life will be supplied. I don't know, but that's the feeling I get. You know, as a young Christian, I went to church, I wrote notes, but I never read it. I don't know if any, I have a classmate here. But then the question is, why don't you read it? I mean, I'm asking myself, why was I not reading it? Because if I went for lectures, and at that time of my Christian life, I was going for lectures, I would come and read my notes. And sometimes even get other people's notes. So that I compare with my notes to see what I left out. So how is it that when it comes to church, we write and we don't read? That's if we even write. Some of us, we don't even bother to write. What could be the mind that makes us not go through what we have written? Is it that we don't see that in the sermon is the provision that we need for the changes we desire in our lives? Now, it's a question that I'm asking myself, and I'm sure you heard me ask myself, so I'm sure you're also asking yourself, isn't it? I'm not asking you, I'm asking myself, but I'm just talking aloud. And you don't have to answer me, but maybe you have to ask yourself the same question. But I can tell you, there's no place that brings to your life what your life needs best and most than the church and the Bible. Amen. You know, as I get to know some of the things that I know now, I've, I've been thinking to myself, how much 20 years ago, knowing what I know now, would have profited me? Because if what I know now 
I knew it 20 years ago. And mind you, I've been a pastor for more than 20 years. So if what I knew now, what I know now, I knew 20 years ago, it would have made a difference between night and day in my life. But sometimes, God in his kindness gives things to you at the time you are likely to receive it. And my prayer is that when you receive what you receive, it wouldn't be late to use it. Amen. Amen. So that you should pray to receive what you need now. Now. Not when it's past. Because your children would also not take it well. Most of the mistakes we've made when we are talking to our children, they don't listen. Or they do, those of us with older children. Sometimes they think they are the ones that invented what you are talking about. <laughs> what they don't know is that you have retired <laughs> in what they have just started. Anyway. So I believe that, well, it's, it's also part of life and part of ministry. As a pastor, you should never be discouraged by people's response. Just keep doing what you have to do. And not everything is for everybody at the same time. But God, being Jehovah Jireh, may provide for one person in a multitude of people. An example is Jesus walks to the, the pool. What's the name of the pool? By the Bethesda pool. Do you get it? And there were many sick people there. But then he went there just for one person. Do you get it? So, as a pastor, sometimes we want everybody to benefit. That's our wish. But sometimes God has everybody's one day. Yeah, everybody has their one day that God will come for them in the multitude of people. Amen. So, as a pastor, you should never be discouraged. Never. Remember, you are not a master. You are a servant. Just do what you have been told to do. And never think the master is wasting his resources. How can you give me, how can you let me spend the whole night with you praying and just speak to one person out of 200 people? You see, then, then now you have become the master and not the servant. This is how the master wants to use his resources. And you are his resource because the 24 hours or the whole night you have, he gave you the breath, he gave you the strength, and he gave you even the ability to pray to him. Hallelujah. So today, I still want to continue on the seven great principles because there are many seven great principles. And the last time, if I remember correctly, I was speaking about seven great principles of your spiritual growth. And again, it's written in a book. In this church, if you don't like books, then you are in the wrong church because a book is what made me a doctor. From a boy working in the neighborhood of a low-class suburb, 
Do you get it? I became a doctor that can afford now to live in a high-class suburb. And it was made possible through the grace of God using books. I said using books. I mean, the simple maths they teach us. I don't know what maths textbook you use, and I don't remember what I used to. But I, there was a textbook. There were textbooks. My physics book is what I remember. Is uh, I don't know the title, but it's Nelcom. There's one. There's Abbott. Abbott is for chemistry. Okay, don't worry if you don't know the name. It's one of it's a, somebody's name. No, I didn't do. I, we didn't do Nigerian books. Did you get it? But I remember some of the textbooks vaguely. But they still made me. They gave me the foundation, and then to secondary school, high school. That's the last two years. The Zimbabweans know what I'm talking about. A level, advanced level. They get. We have O level. The British system has. The high school divided into two portions, ordinary level and advanced level. So the advanced level two, and then to university, medical school. And just by all of them, by just reading books, so not by prayer, and not by prophecy. Just by reading books, I was changed from somebody who doesn't have a job to somebody who is being looked for to be given a job. When I came to South Africa, I had never been to South Africa before. But I was given a job whilst in Ghana. I was given a job whilst in Ghana before I came to South Africa. So I went to start job the following day. I didn't come with a prayer topic, Lord, give me a job in, in this strange land. And the only reason why it was so was because of reading certain kinds of book, a particular type of books that when you read it, they make you into somebody who can sort out people's body problems. Are you with me? Yeah. So please don't hate books. Love books. They will make you into something. Some of you who don't like reading, you don't like a good thing. I said, some of you who don't like reading, you don't like a good thing because reading is a good thing. And if you don't like reading, I don't know what else you like. Maybe whatever you like is destroying you. You like watching and watching wrong things. Anyway, that's not what I'm preaching about. Let me, let's just stay in church and let me preach to you the word of God. So, I'm talking about seven great principles relating to your spiritual growth. Now, Peter tells us that when we are born again, we are newborn babies. Second Peter 2, 2. Do you get it? He describes us as newborn babies. So, the things you need to know about, is it First Peter 2 2 or First Peter 2 2? Okay. This first and second is an issue. 
They are very confusing in our exam, eh? And they like it. Hey! They like it. Hmm. Come again. In fact, sometimes this first second, first second, it's a problem. It's like now you have to know whether it's first second. Then you have to know the chapter. Then you have to know the verse. Oh! And sometimes it's so confusing, it's not funny. Okay, so I'm reading, I'm, I'm actually preaching from this book. Seven Great Principles. Now, you see, the nice thing about our church is that even if you don't write, you can get the book and read it for yourself. And then one of the things about a book is that a book is very humble. It does whatever you ask it to do. I mean, you can't ask me to come in when I visit you or when I call you say, Bishop, can you preach the message you preach again? <laughs> I mean, would you really do that to me? I wouldn't really give myself to that. I wouldn't allow you to. I said, ah, I didn't call you to preach my message. Who told you I even remember what I said? Do you get it? So the nice thing about showing you where it is from is to give you the serious ones the opportunity to go back and read. Yes, sometimes when you read, you realize that there are differences in terms of I explain more than is written. The truth about books is that what is written is not all that is there to say about the point. You need to summarize it. Otherwise, one book will be taller than six feet. Do you get it? So you need to summarize it. So even when you hear the author preach about the book, it sounds different from reading the book because he adds the missing component. Are you with me? So the thing about reading books is that if you read a book, you have to think about what you read. Are you with me? It is when you think about what you are reading that the other unwritten part of it begins to surface. So when you read a book but you don't think about what you are reading, the, the real juice, the real oil, the real nice part of the book, you don't get it. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, you say, Pastor, we just came to church. Come and just prophesy unto us and let's go home happy. You see, I, I would like to prophesy unto you to make you go home happy. But after three days, after one week, I'll find you the same state. Do you get it? And it is my life. My life must progress in, 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 by, by you progressing. Are you with me? So when you are asking me to come and prophesy to you and say all the things so that you'll be encouraged and go home happy, do you get it? You are asking me to come and waste my life away. That's what you're asking me to do. That's not what you want to ask me, isn't it? Is there anybody here you want to ask me to waste my life? My brother, you want to ask me to waste my life? You don't? Okay, thank you for loving me. Hallelujah. So there are some few principles about 
your spiritual growth after you are born again. So I'm doing, I think, chapter 6 or so. Seven great principles on spiritual growth. You know, it's basically seven main points that is worth considering when we want to talk about spiritual growth. Why must we grow spiritually? Why must we grow spiritually? You see, I see some children here. You guys came in a car, isn't it? Would you give, this is your boy, this is your son, would you give him your car to drive? Never. Oh, you don't like him. You do, but you never give him your car to drive as long as he's like this. That's it. So if he wants to have access, free access to your car, what must he do? He must grow. He must eat, isn't it? So if he's refusing to eat, he can't grow. He must learn to write and he must learn to read and write. He must sit down for you to teach him A, B, isn't it? One, two, three. Because that's what he will need to have access to all the provisions that is in his life. So she's saying that it's her child, her biological child, but will never give the child the car to drive as long as the child is in this state. So, for the child to benefit from the resource of the mother, the child has an obligation to go through the processes that are laid out for children to become adults. Because it is when he's 18 plus that the state would even allow him to have a license to drive. Whether he has learned how to drive or not is another thing, but he must be 18 before the state will allow him. Are you with me? And in fact, there may be many cars in the house. I mean, your mother gave you her new Mercedes. It was very, it's nice. Yesterday, the mother entrusted him with her new Mercedes. I mean, not the, not the one that is a passenger car. I mean, it's not the Mercedes, it's four-door, it's passenger, it's loading. This one is a two-door. It's two-door. Yeah. I mean, when you see somebody own a two-door, they are not looking for passenger cars. If you get two-door is for just two people, me and somebody else that I want to be with me. This one just sit by you yesterday. She, she couldn't. No, because of the babies, so she sat at the back. Okay. No, but you see, what I'm trying to say is that God has given to our lives here on earth all that we will need to make us live like children of God. But unfortunately, we have to grow. In order to be able to walk in God's provisions. Now, the growth part is what most Christians resist. And not understanding that if you don't grow, the provisions can't be accessed by you. 
Because it is by growth that the provisions are accessed. How are we understanding it? It is by growth that you access the provision. So it is essential for any pastor who loves his congregation to teach them deeply and assist them on things they need to engage in so that they can grow spiritually. Because it is only then that they would enjoy the full power of the Holy Spirit who is the Spirit of God. Amen. Amen. So, there are some few facts that I will bring to your attention, which is very important. Because whilst you are engaging in the process of growth, Satan is not going to sit there quietly and watch you grow. No, 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 no. Maybe Jesus will watch you grow, but not Satan. You see, just like a natural child, Satan doesn't want a natural child to grow into adulthood to access the facilities and provisions in the child's life. So, would attack the child with sicknesses. Sometimes dangerous traps and things. Just to prevent the child from reaching adulthood. He did it to Jesus. Why would he not want to do it to you? I said, Satan did it to Jesus. He wanted to kill him as a baby. Why would he not want to do it to you? As a spiritual baby. He wants you dead. So there are some few things you need to know about your spiritual growth. The first is the fact that after you are born again, you will be in one of three stages of growth. Either a baby and there are problems that comes with babyhood stage. Either a child or an adult or mature Christian. Now, the importance of knowing this is there are many things that are important in this three, I mean, this statement I've made that when you are born again, you are either at a baby stage, a childhood stage, or a mature adulthood stage. Do you get it? Now, what it means is that you as a person, your knowledge of where you are would help you to reject the condemnations of Satan. That's, that's one of the first things. A lot of Christians in the baby stage find themselves doing things that makes them look like non-Christians. And other Christians who don't understand this and even they themselves start to condemn themselves when Satan tells you that this is not for you. When Satan comes to tell you that Christians don't do what you are doing. So this Christianity is not working for you. Because he lists the things that you have done and you keep doing. 
So you're not understanding the stage or you're not being conscious of where you are allows you to receive the lie of Satan as truth. That's the first point I want you to accept. And I want you to have it deep in you. That each stage of your Christian development has certain characteristic behaviors. The presence of them is not a reason for your self-condemnation. And neither should it be for condemnation of you by other Christians. Your knowledge of this is very important because in Satan, that Satan works with anybody available. So if he can employ some of us who are Christians to do his work in the, in the, in the house, why not? So, for example, if you don't understand that the fact that a person is a Christian doesn't mean the person is matured. And that the person may have been a Christian sometimes for so long but in terms of development, the person is still a baby. So a spiritual baby has certain characteristics. And one of the characteristics of a spiritual baby or the dominant characteristic of a baby is that they are fleshly. Their behavior is just like somebody who is not born again. Because they are dominated by their flesh. So when a Christian, a born-again Christian, is in the baby stage, dominated by the flesh, they don't do anything God wants them to do. They don't do it. Because the flesh that is dominating them is known by God never to obey him. So God doesn't condemn the person who is a baby, Christian-wise, or spiritually. Because God knows the one in charge that because the person is a spiritual baby, the person is dominated by the flesh. And God is expecting the community into which that spiritual baby is being born to be cared for by the community. Not to condemn. You don't condemn your six months old baby when they pull on themselves and they change the atmosphere, especially when visitors have come. You don't condemn, do you? Those of you with babies. Do you? Because you understand that it's a baby, it's a stage. You accept that. This child will not be here forever. Think of it. So you create an environment for the child to grow. Now, this is very important. And it's a major, you see, first of all, Satan will tell you yourself, the baby, that this is not for you. But what he has not told you is that it's because you are not growing. That is why the old traits are still present. Hmm. How do you understand it? Because the Bible says that 
Give me either Galatians 5, is it 16 or 17? Or Romans 8, I think either 7 or 8. What does 17 say? Please write it in English. We don't know what lasted. What we know about last is you want something. When yourself, life, craves the things that offend the Holy Spirit, you hinder him from living free within you. And the Holy Spirit's intense cravings hinder your self-life from dominating you. So then, the two two incompatible and conflicting forces within you are your self-life of the flesh and the new creation life of the Spirit. I hope you understand it. You don't understand it. Give it to us in NLT. Maybe it makes it to say this one is saying it too nice. That you don't understand it. <laughs> the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us the desire that are opposite to what the sinful nature does. These two forces are constantly fighting each other so you are not free to carry out your good intentions so one of the marks listen to me one of the marks that shows that you are truly born again is that the things you did when you were born you were before you got born again when you do them after you are born again it doesn't sit well with you I mean, the same thing, the same thing. Before you get born again, you do it and you walk around very happy, smiling and things. But now that you are born again, when you do them, it's it's like, no. You You don't want to see certain people, especially your pastor. And sometimes he happens to be the first person who calls you. And you drop the call. Or you don't answer. Look at it. How, how can Pastor be calling me now? Now, I mean, look at the time he's calling me. Wrong timing. I just, we just finished. We just finished. Is somebody giving him information about me? <laughs> I wanted to give an example, but let me not give it. So listen, listen. You need to understand this because Satan is a deceiver and he will want to condemn you with lies. That because you have done what you are not supposed to do, you are not a Christian. Or this Christian thing is not going to work for you. So quit. No. Don't quit. And then when you are also in church and you see somebody do it or do things that are fleshly, 
the sins of the flesh are dominant in the person's life. Just understand that what is dominating the person is the flesh. And it is not, this is not a time to tell the person how useless they are. But this is a time to engage the person in things that will help them to grow. Because you see, unless the dominant force changes, the outward display or the things that are done can never change. I hope you understand this. So this is why you need to find yourself, find out yourself, or as we are told, these things, they help your spirit to grow. You must, you see, things that help your spirit to grow, Satan together with your flesh will never cooperate with you doing them. Oh yes. Things that help your spirit to grow. Satan will never cooperate with you to allow your spirit to grow because he understands the effect of it. That it's almost like he wants to give up his seat as the dominant force in you. Because when the two are constantly fighting, then he will come and help you to strengthen the, his opponent. How? I hope you understand it. Good. The next point. So, so this, this is very important. The knowledge of this, it allows you not to self-condemn, I mean, to, to accept self-condemnation from Satan. Because I know that many of us, you see, when I was being, when they told me, we want to make you a pastor, I said to myself, they are making a mistake. That's what I said to myself. They are making a big mistake. Why? Because I was looking at myself and feeling that it's a, this guy, pastor, of who? For what? I know some of you are like that. The reason why you don't want to be shepherds is you are saying to yourself, mm, Basenta leader, ah, 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 ah. let somebody else be Basenta leader, not me. I can't tell you everything about me, but please, don't make me a Basenta leader. I hope you understand. The second point, let, let's go quick because today I wanted to finish the service early. Do you get it? The second point is that you start off as a spiritual baby. That's, that's the reality. When you, the day you give your life to Jesus, and you are born again. That is where you start. And of course, being a spiritual baby, you'll be doing the things you did before. Because a spiritual baby means that the force of the spirit is weak. It's not that the Holy Spirit is weak, but your spirit is weak. And you see, the Holy Spirit is like a big power source. How much of that power comes into your life has to do with the size of your cable connecting yourself to it, to him. I mean, how much of water you get from the reservoir is determined by the size of your pipe. The smaller the pipe, 
the less water you get flow, even though there's a lot of water. I hope you're understanding it. So, when you are a baby, the connection is very thin. So, obviously, the flesh that has been the boss all this while will continue as usual. When your spirit talks, you just kick it. Keep quiet there. I mean, some of you that are older children, you know what I'm talking about. When, they, when your younger siblings get things, then you go and collect it from them, you eat. <laughs> then they go back crying and you pretend like you don't know what has happened. But as they grow, as they grow, even though you are older than them, they begin to tell you no. And you no longer can just take it from them. Because they are growing. You have to negotiate. And sometimes the negotiation doesn't work. <laughs> Some of you understand what I'm talking well. So growth is essential. I said growth is essential. The third point. And all of it is here. All of it is here. The third point is that as you do the things that bring spiritual growth, it takes you from babyhood stage to the childhood stage. When you have a certain level of understanding. So what happens is that you begin to swing. There are moments when your spirit wins the fight. Do you get it? In other words, there are moments where you do what the Holy Spirit wants you to do, what God wants you to do. But there will be moments also when you do fleshly things. Now, that is sometimes a difficult stage. Because, you see, the moment of doing what the Spirit wants you to do gives you a certain sense of, I'm okay. And people even begin to look at you as if you are cool. And therefore, they find it difficult when there, there are moments when your flesh dominates you. And sometimes you yourself become very unforgiving to yourself. Because, you see, for, for a long time, you may actually be in charge and saying no to your flesh. But depending on the timing of the flesh and the situation at hand, before you realize it's you see, the flesh is not trying to win the fight legally. It is the spirit that is trying to do things according to principles. But the flesh, under the influence of Satan, wins legally or illegally. It doesn't care. So if it has to trap you to dominate you, it will. That's why some of you you have been able to say no, no, no. Ah, then one day, this person visits you and he decides to rain. And there's nobody in the house. And it's raining heavily. So you, so you can't leave. How many understand the example I'm giving? until now you've said no 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 but just one day everything seemed to work together for for evil 
and and especially if you're a woman it may so happen also that it is at that time of the month of your cycle when remember i told you that the flesh under the influence of satan is not seeking to win legally a win is a win whether legal or illegal it's a win and then after satan will come and tell you you see i told you i told you this pretense must stop this pretense must stop and then other christians i'm surprised i mean this is serious someone like you but center leader and then and then there's sin in the church the church is condoning sin listen nobody wants to be a slave to sin and mind you the church is a hospital of those who are getting well for discharge and those who are coming in very sick <laughs> so you have all sorts of problems I see you now if I as a pastor understands the context because the bible says you see these forces it, it calls it forces 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 are constantly not not when the spirit does something that the flesh doesn't like then the flesh gets angry otherwise the flesh is like a dog lying somewhere likely accepts defeat and all no 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 understanding now it is not a license for you to always say oh, you know it's not me it's the moment of the flesh because you see every sin every moment when the flesh dominates you has a consequence it has a consequence and some of them it may not be nice are you with me yeah so please don't just say, oh, it's not me. Pastor, I see the way you explain the flesh, the constant fighting. I understand it. And they are constant. Pastor, it's not me. They are constantly fighting. And you know, I don't know what happened. It's one of those moments when the flesh won. Yes, it's true. They are constantly fighting. But what are you doing to help your spirit to win more of the fight. You get it? So, until you are sincerely making efforts for your spirit to gain strength, you cannot justify the occasion where your flesh breaks through. You can't be neglecting your spirit allowing your flesh to win all the time and tell me that it's not you the question i will ask you is where is the evidence of your effort for your spirit to gain the upper hand and even if i would ask you this do you think god will not ask you 
you understanding what I'm saying? I feel I'm sharing. You see, it may sound basic, but there's nothing basic. Or even if it's basic, it's an essential basic. You see, one to one up to ten. And when you play with the operational, like, what do they call them? The plus addition, I mean, plus multiplication, and there's the operational science or whatever they call them. You see, the teaching of maths is your, the teaching such that you understand and can handle the basic of one up to ten with all the operational science i.e. your ability to handle the number one to ten when it's with a plus sign with a, a multiplication sign with a division sign with a subtraction sign your ability to handle it determines whether you do well in mass or not and your ability to know the rules that operate them that when you have an equation with a plus a minus and a division and a multiplication in all of them in one equation. You start with, they say, the brackets first. And then you move on to multiplication. You move on to addition. And then before subtraction. Okay, let me explain to you. You see, basic maths or maths, what is basic? It's actually the foundation of every mathematics. You have to know how to handle one plus five, one times five, three minus two, six divided by three, and all those ones. You, know, you have to know how to handle them separately when it's only one sign that is present. You have to know how to handle them when there are two signs present in the same equation. And you have to know how to handle when there are three signs. And you have to know when there are brackets also. Basically, that's maths. Your inability to know them is the difficulty that comes in your life. But you see, one to 10 is the basis but it's a basis that you use all the days of your life if it is maths you want to do. Even if you are not doing maths, you st- they still call on you. Or you still call on them. Because if somebody owes you 620 rands and then you have to pay 47 rands somewhere, you have to know or you give, you go to the shop and you give uh, uh, 100 rands and the thing is 63.77 uh, or 63.99. You have, to know how, you have to be able to know how much they should give you before they give you so that you will know whether they've given you the correct balance or not. One of the things I recently observed when I visited Ghana is the fact that every time you give somebody money that they have to give you a change, they give you a change that is short. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's, that's what I observe. They always give you a... I mean, it happened to you about four or five times. Then I said, no, this is not coincidence. It's something, it's something that they do. And then when they realize that you are standing there, they say, oh, sorry. 
then they people have mastered in the art of dishonesty I've not observed it here I've not observed it here but in Ghana I have it's here okay maybe I don't go to those shops I go to Woolworth and other shops good so listen in your childhood stage these things are there where the spirit may lose some of the battles and your flesh will dominate again don't let satan condemn you with that and when as a pastor or as a church member you hear some of these things think about what could have happened You know, sometimes we feel that people fall into sin because they want to. No. Yes, there are those who want to. But not everybody want to. But there are situations and circumstances where, you see, the forces are battling. And the, you see, the fact that the forces fighting determines what you do means that you are insignificant. Let me say it again. In this scripture, it also brings out that you are insignificant and what you do is dependent on invisible forces that are fighting. I hope you understand what I'm saying. So, so listen. In your childhood stage, you must continue doing what you did when you were a baby to come. And you know, sometimes, as a baby, many of the things will be done for you. Do you get it? As a baby, many of the things will be done for you. Like as a baby, food is prepared for you to eat. But when you get to a, a certain stage, you have to go and look for food. I mean, if you go home and there's no food, do you think your mother comes out to say, Hey, uh, my baby... What, what are you going to eat? It's like, sort yourself out. If you don't sort yourself out, be there. you sleep hungry. So you also go to the fridge, or depending on where you come from, you go to the cupboards and see what is there. And sometimes you try to eat at a time when nobody's watching you. You intentionally eat when, when everybody has eaten, so that you can eat what you want. Some of my children, I don't see them eating in the house, but they are growing. <laughs> I don't see them eating in the house, but they are growing. So I don't know how they grow. At the grace of God, you, everybody eats when they, they, you feel like, I need to eat. You know, nobody's forced to say, hey, this is all we have, come and let's share. No. By the grace of God, there's enough food. My children, they don't know what's life of. <laughs> they wake up in the morning and then they just go downstairs and sort themselves out. It was not so for me. When you wake up in the morning, you have to wait. There was no downstairs to start with. <laughs> you have to wait. When it's eating time, then everybody comes. Then mama will bring out the beverage. 
Because the beverage is not available all day. The beverage is available only at morning. Eating, morning, eating time. And after, when you have eaten, everybody has given, you have had your share, then the beverage goes back to the lock and key. Well, you know, children can be very inconsiderate. And sometimes they, we, we discover where the key is. <laughs> so when we discover where the key is, you don't say anything. As it's being locked, you know that you have access to it. And you wait for mama to go out. And you sack all the children to go and play. You know, I was the firstborn, so. Yeah. Point number four. Now, you see, these things are very important. Because, you see, Satan would always want to discourage you. How many have felt discouraged before that I'm not a good Christian? Yeah, yeah. And what, why you are saying that is because of what you did. It's because of what you did. And you didn't expect yourself. Sometimes you lose your temper in a place where your temper shouldn't be lost. You lose your cool at the wrong place. And then the all that you hear from another Christian and you call yourself a Christian. Hey. But you see, two forces. They don't fight as and when. It's a raging battle. The, where am I? The fourth point. Is it the fourth point? When you get to the spiritual adulthood stage, you are dominated by your spirit. You are dominated by your spirit. It is at this stage that you have abundance of the fruit of the spirit in you and in your life. It is at this stage that verse 18 is it verse 18? 19. Where's the fruit of the spirit? Yeah, keep going, keep going. One of the things that we must do, Selby, is to have a reading, Bible reading exercise with the media team. Just let them read the book. They don't have to remember. Just read. Just read. So they read the whole of Galatians. They read the whole of Ephesians. Let them read. Let them just read. They will be, when they need to remember, you'll be surprised at the work of the Holy Spirit. They will remember where the verses are. They get it. As part of training them to do their work efficiently. Let them read the Bible, not only to teach them how to connect. Do you get it? You must make them read the Bible also. They will know where the verses are. Good. You see, but the, the Holy Spirit, this is what the Holy Spirit, when he's dominating, this is what he does. 
He produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. Now, I want to say something about your state as a mature Christian and the presence of these fruits. Now, it is the presence of these fruits that brings prosperity in your life. Who will not want to associate with a loving person? You are an employer. Would you not want to employ somebody who has the fruits of love in them? A loving person. A loving person is nice to be with. As anything. As a boss. Even the workers will vote for you. The workers will fight management changing you. Oh yeah. A joyous person. A person in whom there's joy. Sometimes you'll be included in certain journeys because you bring a joyous atmosphere. Because at the top, in, in leadership and high levels, sometimes there's tension, there's stress, and you'll be happy to have another manager or another leader who makes the atmosphere light and who is, so, who is nice to be with. I have come to realize that a lot of ladies that have joy, they are, boys want to choose them. They are happy to be with. I mean, moody people are hardly chosen unless they have something else going for them. No, no, I'm telling you, moody people, like somebody who is moody, when the one moment is cloudy, one moment is rainy, one moment, it's like moodiness. And when you don't know what you have done, and the person is always moody, is there anything? Nothing. Are you okay? Yes. This, no, it's like moodiness. Nobody wants to be with a moody person. So sometimes we don't understand what is working against us. But you see, as you mature spiritually, do you get it? The spiritual component of your prosperity is the presence of these things. Because sometimes we don't understand how spirituality will bring us prosperity. But spirituality removes from you what people don't like and brings into you what people like. So you become very attractive. You become the choice of many. You become the truth. He said, everybody likes you. Everybody's happy to have you. Look, let me tell you, when I met my wife, the first time I saw her, she came to sit by us for about five, ten minutes. But after she spoke and we interacted, I said, I, I like this girl. I said, no, this girl is nice. I didn't know her. I didn't know her character in terms of what she can do, what she cannot do. I, didn't, I knew nothing about her. That, that was the first time I was meeting her. That was the first time I was meeting here. For 10 minutes, I said, ah, this girl, I want to know her. 
Oh, yeah. And at that time, there were many people that wanted her. And even still now. Oh, no, I know. I know because I can see it. Come again. Yeah, but the fact that if you like it, why don't you want people to like it? Is, are you saying that because you like it or because it's yours, nobody should like it? Oh, how? It's unreasonable. I mean, it's unreasonable. It's, un, it's unfair on the people. Clarence. You don't agree that it's unfair. Careful, you don't agree that it's unfair. Yeah. Or you don't agree with me. No, the fact that the fact that I I have hair doesn't mean people shouldn't like what is nice. No, that's what I, that's how I, my mind works. So the fact that I know that ah, this person will like her, this person likes her, this person likes her, it doesn't bother me. Because she has not given me any indication that she wants them. So what's my problem? <laughs> Lawrence doesn't agree with me. <laughs> you see, my thinking is that I can't blame people. A nice thing is liked by everybody. Yeah, a nice thing it's liked by many people. And the fact that it's yours doesn't mean that people shouldn't like it because it's nice. The problem would be if she's giving me an indication that she wants to go. That is when I have to kill all those people who like Because then I'll start to say that it's because you people are there that's why she's thinking that she has options. <laughs> Do you get it? But at the end of the day, that, well, I'm trying to show you how prosperity comes into your life. You go, think about it. Think about it. Even to do business, let's say you have a business and I have to do business with you. Who wants to do business with a nasty person? I said, who wants to do business with a nasty person? Who? Who? Why, why should I choose a nasty, a nasty person when there are options? Most patients reject good doctors and go for an average class doctors because the doctors treat them like human beings. The doctors make them. You see, when a patient comes to you, sometimes they know what the problem is, but they just want a confirmation from you. Your humanness in handling them makes them prefer you anytime. They don't care about what you know. They want to know how much you care. Yeah. So I'm trying to, you see, I'm ending on this point, but I'm showing you the prosperity in your spiritual maturity. The prosperity is that the Holy Spirit, what you can't do for yourself, the Holy Spirit will do it. The Holy Spirit will make you a loving person. People around you can experience love. 
People around you can experience joy. People around you can experience peace. As a friend, in a group of friends, everybody will, everybody will say they are, in their group, their best friend is you. Their best friend is because they realize that you, you maintain the peace of the relationship. You are a peaceful person. Even a drunkard likes a peaceful wife. Yeah. <laughs> Kindness, patience. You see, all these things, they are high selling values. When everybody is discouraged, you, you are so patient that you tell them it will work. Let's, let's keep trying. Look, it's a step by step. It will work. Because you see, you, when everybody has lost hope, you've not lost hope. Because a patient person is also hopeful. So let's be patient. It will work. When people are rejecting themselves, you tell them, no, don't reject yourself. Let's keep trying. We did it the other way. It didn't work. Let's try it this way. You are saying, I'm not good for nothing. And your boss is telling you, you are good for a lot. Because your boss is a patient boss. He tried a strategy. It didn't work. He's willing to try another one. A patient boss would give you chance upon chance. Will keep changing you from one department to another until you discover your talent. Would you not like such a boss? Yeah. And your workers will be loyal. You see, so what I want you to see is that apart from the spirituality of these things, even naturally, naturally, they are the things that are attractive. They are the things that are attractive. So listen, you have everything. You have every reason to grow spiritually. Because unless you grow, all these things, these things are the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit can bear fruit in a life that is not dominant. So I hope you have a good reason. Unless you hate yourself, which I've come to discover that a lot of people hate themselves. Most people don't like themselves. You want me to give you evidence? Did you? you want me to give you evidence? If you want evidence that you don't like yourself, do a catalog of the things you do to yourself and see whether these things bring promotion in a life or it brings demotion in that life. Not the things somebody does to you, the things you do to yourself. How you neglect all the potentials that is lying in you 
is a testimony of how much you hate yourself. Yeah. Because all the potentials in you, they lie there dormant, undeveloped, unattended to. And your life is a life of scarcity, a life of poverty, a life of unhappiness, a life of unfulfillment. And you are telling me you love yourself. It's not true. It's not true. Linda, it cannot be true. When God has given to your life so much resources and you make no effort for your life to benefit from any of these resources, how can you say you love yourself? And the things you make effort for your life to benefit are things that only take you down and down and down and down. You, you know the things. Should I say them also? Or you, you don't know the things? Should I say them? You know them. Thank you. At least you save us some five minutes of preaching. <laughs> Hallelujah. I believe the Lord is good. Amen. I say I believe the Lord is good. Amen. And therefore, we are going to do everything to grow spiritually. Amen. We will be kind to ourselves by not condemning ourselves. Because now we understand what is happening. That they are, co- they are forces that are constantly playing. They are fighting. One wants to bring down the other and take charge. And the evidence of the love that we have for ourselves is the things we do for the force that is in our favor to dominate. Yeah. The evidence that you love yourself is the things you do for the Holy Spirit to be the dominant force in you. That, that is, you see, most of you say, we love ourselves and we are loving ourselves on your birthdays and you take yourself to the shop and you buy yourself things and you say you are loving yourself. That is not loving yourself. That is not loving yourself. In fact, that is loving or hating yourself. Yes, yes, that is hating yourself. Because you don't buy the Bible that you should buy. And you are happy to spend the whole day in the shopping mall. And every now and then, your free time after work, you spend half of the time in the shopping mall. And you are telling me that you don't, you are busy. You don't have time to read your Bible. You don't have time to do anything that will help the dominance of the Holy Spirit. And therefore, your spirit in your life. So that these wonderful fruits that are liked and enjoyed by even even the devils of this world. Hmm? Is there any human being that doesn't want to be loved or doesn't enjoy being loved? Even dogs. 
They enjoy the cuddling. Listen, I don't want to believe that you hate yourself. And if there's any demon that has made you to hate yourself, today, in the name of Jesus, I speak to that demon. And I say, take hand, your hand off. Stop your works in this life. This life is loved by God. And therefore, live the life alone that God may shower his love upon this life. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's rise to our feet. You know, if, if only you would really believe what you have heard today, it's going to make a great difference in your life. Always remember. Don't remember the pastor. It's not about the pastor. Don't remember the church. It's not about the church. It's about you and the forces that are fighting in you. Do everything possible for the force of the Holy Spirit to gain advantage all the time. And that is a testimony of the love that you have for yourself. And mind you, before you seek to enter into a relationship and before you seek to be married, if you don't love yourself, your marriage cannot work. Because you'll be asking for somebody to love you. And the person who also you are asking may not have what it takes to love you. And neither would you be a good partner because the other person will be expecting love from you. But yourself is not even getting it. How can somebody else get it? How can you give that which you don't have? God is love. That is why he can love the whole world. I said, God is love. That is why he can love the whole world. So we need to love ourselves. Love yourself by taking good care of yourself. By enabling in yourself the force of God that loves you. And that wants you to be free from the force of Satan. Lift up your voice and pray that Lord help me. Lord help me. Lord help me. Oh, help me, Jesus. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Shatur Baba. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Maski Bando Oh Lord, help me, help me, help me. I want to love myself. I want to love myself the way you love me. The way you love me, Lord. I want to love myself. I want to love myself. I want to love myself. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I want to love myself. I want to love myself. Barakata kayakata borshinderiabe. Ralili babosi kalababaya baba. I want to love myself, Lord. I want to love myself. Evidenced by the things I do to myself. Evidenced by what the choices I make for myself. Oh, thank you. 
for in loving myself i can love others like me oh rabolondi ibabayababa makarosi teriyabondo mondiri sakatayabanda katurine thank you holy spirit thank you jesus thank you thank you lord thank you jesus thank you holy spirit oh rindiri kasanda Our Heavenly Father, we thank you. We bless you for what you have brought to our lives today by the voice of your Holy Spirit. You have shown us, O oh Lord, the forces at work in us and what our place is in making it possible for your Spirit to dominate our lives that it may be well with us that we will be a loving people a people filled with joy peace kindness and patience long-suffering we thank you holy spirit for by these fruits we shall become the desire of many many shall want us and you have said that the honor of a king is in a multitude of his people thank you holy spirit thank you jesus thank you for this word we break through every opposition every hindrance every form of laziness every form of excuse that prevents us from loving ourselves lord from today we shall love ourselves that we'll be able to obey your instruction that tells us to love our neighbor as ourselves we thank you father in jesus name as every head is bowed and every eye closed you want to say pastor please pray with me i want to give my life to jesus lift up your right hand let me pray with you in case somebody's here you are not born again let me pray with you you need jesus in order to come to god lift up your right hand i'll pray with you thank you thank you lift it up high. let us pray heavenly father we thank you for this afternoon thank you that none of us here do not know you you who know our hearts i pray that if there be any such lord give that person an opportunity to know you that you may know the person we thank you father in jesus name amen amen i want us to quickly do our communion Just let's do the communion quickly so that. Are you glad you came to church? When I preach, do you understand? You understand the preaching? Then you must, your notes must be what to do. Are you with me? When I preach and you understand it, you must write down from what you understand, what do I need to do? Because the preaching will not benefit you if it doesn't lead you to do some things. Amen. So some of you, you have to now decide that I'll wake up early and take my shower and dress like I'm going to work so that I can sit down and read my Bible. Instead of waking up and lying on your bed and then before you realize it's 7 o'clock and you don't know what happened. Meanwhile, you woke up at 3. 
Lift up your communion. Let us pray. Father, we remind ourselves of the body that was broken for us, of our Lord and Savior Jesus. By his broken body, we receive healing. Therefore, by this bread, as we break it, so we break every disease that is in us, that we shall recover in health. Sicknesses that torment us and threaten our lives, we are healed from it because of the body of Jesus Christ, the body of Jesus. Taking the cup of wine, lifting it up just as Jesus was lifted up on the cross and pierced with a spear on his side for the water and the blood to gush out so that our sins will be forgiven. By this blood, every sin of our lives is cleansed and forgiven in Jesus' name. By this blood, we have full access to the presence of God. And by this blood, we are marked as belonging to God and therefore shall escape every evil. By this blood, we are protected against the attack of the enemy. And by this blood, we shall go home safely and come back safely. We shall escape every accident on the road. We shall not be among the statistics, but we shall be among them to whom the grace of God shall find. We partake of this wine in faith, the blood of Jesus. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you. We bless you for this opportunity that we have and for what Christ Jesus did on the cross for us. We thank you that our prayers are heard because of Jesus. And by these prayers, Lord, we go out as victors. We conquer everything that is not of you out of our lives and out of the lives of our family as we go home to reunite with our families lord may we be that light may we bring that influence that dispels the darkness that may exist in the lives of our relatives and grant us the boldness and the prompting to always bring light and speak forth your word that salvation would come to our homes we believe you've been blessed by this message. To stay connected, follow our LCI social media platforms.